rapid aging whiskey at home, avoiding a buzz while you're doing whiskey tastings, and different finishes for different types of whiskey. What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and you're listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast. And today, as we do every month, we have our Q&A episode of Whiskey Noobs. So this episode, I will be answering questions from you guys, the listeners, which are delivered to me by two different methods. You can ask on Patreon, which goes to the front of the line, or you can ask on Instagram every Wednesday through my Instagram story. I post a sticker and you can post your question to that sticker. It'll send it to me. Other people won't see it. And then I will answer it on this episode, assuming all of the Patreon questions are answered first. So I will be answering those questions. However, I usually do a mystery whiskey tasting during the episode where I taste something. You guys don't know what it is, and you can try to guess what it is based on my review. However, I did get a question, and the person asked, what's been going on with the Infinity Bottle? we got to be ready to try it again. It's been a long time. And I realized that's absolutely correct. We haven't drank from the Whiskey Noobs Infinity Bottle in a long time. For those of you who don't know, this is an Infinity Bottle with every whiskey that we've had on Whiskey Noobs in the bottle that I've done a full review episode of, so this doesn't count little things that just get tasted in episodes. But if I did a review on it on Whiskey Noobs, then it is in this bottle. You can see the bottle is getting pretty full, so I do in fact need to do a tasting of it right now. So that's what we're going to do. You may actually recognize this bottle from my videos because I put my microphone on it. I have like a little stand and then it stands like out from the bottle with the mic on it. Uh, But it is actually the Whiskey Noobs Infinity Bottle. So I'm going to pour myself up a glass and do a little mini review of it. I'm not even going to recount all of the whiskeys that are in this bottle because it's a lot by now. I'm going to pour kind of a heavy pour. It'll probably be all that I drink tonight, but uh, it needs to... I need to get the level of this bottle down a little bit. So let me put this somewhere that you guys can see it in the camera view. I'm going to start with a super quick nosing and tasting of our Infinity Bottle Whiskey. And then from there, we are going to get into the questions. Let's do this thing. This is such an interesting blend of bourbon and scotch-type flavors. I know there's more than just bourbons and scotches in there, but those are the two that really take over. On the nose, you get a little bit of the peatiness of the couple of peated scotches that are in there. You don't get too much bourbon on the nose, in my opinion. Maybe just a hint of like a barrel spice. But then when you taste it, once again, the scotch is on the forefront, which is very surprising because we do a lot of bourbons. But the scotch is on the forefront, uh, especially because that peat brings it to the forefront. This doesn't really taste heavily peated anymore, though. It's got just a touch of it, kind of like a Johnny Walker black label. Not double black, but just kind of like black label. You get a little bit of that peatiness, and then you also get some of that barrel spice coming through. So I'm going to refine those notes a little bit as we continue with this episode. But I need to get to your guys' questions, which I have screenshotted on my phone. Let me grab those. So I'm going to do this in the typical fashion. For those of you who don't know, I'm going to answer a few questions long form. I think we have five today where I'll answer kind of like a full answer like I used to on the the very first question episodes when I'd get like three per episode. And then I do a lightning round so that I can get in as many questions as possible. Unfortunately, not all of them make the cut, but I get to as many of them as I can. I try to weed out repeats and things like that. 
but I start with the long form questions. So let's get started. Our first question is thoughts on rapid aging bourbon at home. This person says they're thinking about getting a handful of white dog bottles and a desktop barrel. A little, a couple things to unpack, a couple terms to unpack for those who don't know in that question. So first of all, what is white dog? White dog is what the distillate is that comes off of the still. It's called a lot of different things. One of the things that it is called is white dog. And that is distillate, which will become whiskey, bourbon, whatever it is, it's going to become that after it's aged in a barrel. But at that point, it it has a radically different taste and it is not yet, for example, a bourbon if it's a bourbon. So if you were to go to any distillery, pick your favorite one, and you were to go up to where the, the stuff comes out of the still, the distillate comes out of the still, it, some people don't realize this, it won't be brown or it won't be any color. It's going to be clear, which is why they call it white dog. Then they put that into the barrels and that's where it gets its color or depending on where the whiskey is from, some types of whiskey can have coloring in them as well. So that's what white dog is. And what this person is asking is thoughts about aging it yourself at home. And when you use a smaller aging vessel, like a mini barrels, like something this big, you can get these little desktop barrels. I actually have one. I'm going to go get it. Okay, so this is my mini barrel, which doesn't have anything in it yet because I'm far too indecisive for that, of course. I don't know what to put in it yet. But something this small, you have a small volume to a lot of surface area, so it kind it ages faster. It gets more of a tannic kind of woody taste to it. Uh, and you can also manipulate temperature, put it in a cold place, in a hot place to mimic like faster seasons as if it was going through the seasons of the year. So all of that amounts to a lot of people trying to rapidly age different whiskeys at their house. Um, What I would say about this is that I think it's fun. I think it's a neat little experiment, especially you could use it for like blending different things together and then aging them in a barrel as a blend. There's a lot of really fun things that you can do with these home aging barrels. Uh, And I think that's very neat. I think it's a great time. I don't think you're going to get something like if you buy Buffalo Trace, because they sell White Dog, that's Buffalo Trace's mash bill. I don't think if you take that and age it in the barrel, it's necessarily going to taste exactly like Buffalo Trace. I've never tried it. You might get pretty close. But so many other factors play into it. For example, the location in the rick house plays a re- or the warehouse or rick house is where the barrels are stored. The location within that warehouse is going to play a huge role in how much the whiskey interacts with the barrel. So different whiskeys can come from different locations in the warehouse, or oftentimes they'll take them from a lot of different locations blend all of those together to get kind of a consistent profile. And then that's what they're going to call, let's say, Buffalo Trace. Now, given that you're not blending together a bunch of them and they're not seeing different elements, you're not kind of getting this law of averages, I think it is. You're not getting these large numbers where it all is going to average out. Because of that, it might taste pretty radically different from what you might expect. And then also there's the aspect of it that you're trying to kind of rapidly age it, which makes it taste a little different. All of that is to say that it's probably not going to taste exactly like what you're expecting it to taste like, but I do still think it's a really fun, interesting thing to do at home. It's totally a unique hobby. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a good time. And as long as you're looking at it that way, I think it's a great idea. Uh, and obviously I will be doing it at some point. I just (laughs) have been far too indecisive about what I'm going to put into this barrel. So 
those are my thoughts on rapid aging your own. This person asked bourbon or just any type of whiskey at home. The next question is, I also actively avoid getting buzzed or drunk while drinking whiskey. Any tips? I love this question, especially because I just recently finally listened all the way through to Andrew Andrew Huberman's podcast about alcohol. And if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend it. It's all about what alcohol does to your body. And I've said this before, I'm a pretty big proponent of not drinking whiskey to get drunk and also actively avoiding getting drunk while I drink my whiskey. A lot of people have tried to call me a phony on social media and stuff like that. I get it. I get how hard it is to believe that for some folks, uh, but I do try to practice what I preach. I try to be that way. Obviously, there are times where I go a little bit too far with alcohol, but I've been trying to avoid those actively more and more as well. All that is to say that alcohol can be very bad for you. And in Andrew Huberman's podcast, he breaks it down really well. Once again, I recommend you go listen to it. It doesn't even need to be a lot. You don't have to be getting drunk. You don't have to be getting drunk regularly. You can be sober throughout this whole your whole life, but be drinking enough alcohol that it is causing damage to your body. So I, I like that this person asked about this. And I also like the idea of trying to stay sober while doing your whiskey tastings. For me, whiskey is not about the alcohol. It's about enjoying the art form. And for that reason, I do have some tips for trying to stay sober during your whiskey tastings. First of all, Food in your stomach is going to slow down alcohol absorption into your system. So eating beforehand, eating during it, try to keep it kind of bland, keep it kind of palate cleansery. Um, but having something in your stomach is going to help you to not get uh, too intoxicated, especially if you're doing a tasting of like back-to-back whiskeys. Second thing would be if it's not a back-to-back tasting, just not drinking very much. And, and knowing your proof and knowing that the higher the proof, the less you can drink if you're trying to stay sober. So for me, I typically, especially if I'm just doing a tasting to get an idea, to review a whiskey that somebody sent to me, you'll notice that a lot of times I'll take a bottle that somebody sent to me and I'll be like, yeah, I tried this a few times and there's not very much gone out of it. That's because I will do pretty small tastings of it, like roughly three quarters of an ounce, half an ounce tastings of it to get an idea of it in multiple different palate conditions without doing these large tastings that end up getting me buzzed or intoxicated. So that's another way to look at it um, is kind of spread out your tastings, do them in small little increments. If it's a really high proof, do even less in that, that tasting of that whiskey. You can even, and I don't actually do this, but you can taste and spit out. Um, this is something that I believe Fred Minnick, Fred Minnick even talks about. You can taste and then spit it out and you can still get a really good idea for the profile of the whiskey. Against popular belief, you don't actually have to swallow it all the time to get that full flavor profile. So those are just a few different ways that you can kind of try to stay less you know, intoxicated during your whiskey tastings for me or for you, if you're trying to spread out, like if it's not one tasting, but you're tasting a lot of whiskey in general, I try to spread out mine. So like I will try to purposefully review this whiskey on Monday, this whiskey on Wednesday, this whiskey on Thursday. Usually I try to only keep it to a couple nights a week. Uh, And I think moving forward, I'm going to try to keep it to less than like a certain amount of ounces per week like maybe less than four ounces per week or something like that. Um, Because according to that podcast I mentioned, it's like as little as seven drinks per week can cause that issue, can cause, well, not any specific issue, but have detrimental effects on your body. So that being said, I probably just 
horribly regurgitated that podcast, but like I said, you can go listen to it for yourself. That being said, I think it's very important to at least be aware of what you're doing to your body and at least be aware of how much you're intaking. I know there have been times for me where I'm slammed with reviews. My friends want to hang out, and so I have a little bit of a social drink with them. Uh, I, whatever it is that's going on, I have all these things that kind of pile up, and next thing I know, I'm drinking more than I would like to be drinking. So just being conscious of it, maybe even writing down how often you're having a drink, can all be great ways to track that and to help you to, once again, not get intoxicated uh, during a taste. Space it out. Keep track of your time. Try to only keep it. You know, you could probably have two glasses of whiskey in if they're small pours. I should clarify this. If you're doing a tasting with like half ounce, three quarter ounce pours, you got to know yourself. But for me, I could do like two in the first half hour and then maybe like one every hour after that and not really get much of a buzz. Um, but you really got to know yourself. And once again, you got to know the proof of your whiskey. Cause that's wildly different for 80 proof versus 120 proof. You have to recognize 120 proof for every ounce. You're basically getting an ounce and a half of 80 proof. If I just did that mental math, right? So keep that in mind, know your proofs, know yourself. Uh, and that hopefully will help you to avoid getting buzzed during the tastings. Totally aside from all that, Aside from the health effects of whiskey, it's also helpful just because if you're trying to do a legit tasting, first of all, if it's something expensive, you want to remember it. Second of all, even if it's not something expensive, you want to have your wits about you to be doing a proper tasting if that is your goal. I'm not looking down on people who drink more. I have drank more, and I still on occasion drink more than I probably should. But I'm just making sure you guys are aware of I just want you guys to be aware of the repercussions because I love whiskey as an art form, but I don't ever want people to think that I am pushing people to like alcoholism like or abuse of alcohol in any way. Hopefully that was clear and not too soapboxy, but let's move on to the next question. Thank you for that question, though. It's really important, I think. The next question is, opinion on using top shelf bourbon for an old-fashioned. My opinion on this is do whatever you want to do if you paid for it. However, my more kind of nuanced opinion is to a certain extent, better whiskey will absolutely make a better old fashioned. I think there are too many people on one side of the spectrum or the other with this topic. So to an extent, a better whiskey will make a better old fashioned. Absolutely. But beyond that extent, you're just wasting your money. So to a different extent, the ingredients in an old fashioned, the bitters, depending on what bitters you're using, what sweetener you're using, how much you're watering it down, all those things, to a certain extent, those are going to take away from the experience of the expensive whiskey. And when you're getting into these really high dollar whiskeys, like over a hundred dollars, when you're getting above that, you are really you. A lot of the times, you're either paying for the fact that it's rare and it's kind of like a status thing, or if you're buying it because if it's that expensive because it's that good of a whiskey. You're buying it for extreme nuance, for complexities that are just that are hard to tease out. I mean, too expensive a whiskey, if you're too new to drinking whiskey, it's just a waste of money. And I've, I've said that on multiple occasions. Because you're paying for that complexity. You're paying for those notes that are subtle. You're paying for the way it changes on your palate, the way it feels on your palate. A lot of that nuance, a lot of that mouthfeel, a lot of the transition of flavor that the whiskey has will be suppressed by whatever you're putting in it, any type of mixed drink. This doesn't just go for old fashions. That's a lot. Of, it's going to be dampened down quite a, quite a bit. 
So, I just want to make clear that making an old-fashioned with a $100 bourbon is not necessarily going to be twice as good as making an old-fashioned with a $50 bourbon. I wouldn't even say making an old-fashioned with a $50 bourbon will be twice as good as a $25 bourbon for sure. It might be, but certainly not for sure. So I usually keep it relatively inexpensive for my old fashions most of the time. And then if I'm making something that I really want to taste exceptional, I really want that little bit of added kick or added nuance or whatever it is that I think this more expensive whiskey brings to the table, then I will use it for an old fashioned. But I just want to make clear that, like I said, that's very much law of diminishing returns, and it's very dependent on how much whiskey you have, how much you typically spend on whiskey. To some people, it could be a waste. So you can try it, and if you're sacrificing two ounces of whiskey, it's not the end of the world. Give it a try, but try to focus on how much you're actually enjoying it and see if you think it's it's truly worth it or not. That could be a good blind tasting in the future, a really expensive bourbon or rye in an old-fashioned versus a very similar but less expensive one in in an old-fashioned following the same recipe and see which one. I think that might have to be a blind tasting. I'm probably going to have to do that. So thank you for that question. Let's move on to the next one. How do you develop your palate? And I think I paired this. Okay, I paired these two together. Somebody asked, how do you develop your palate? Somebody else asked, I'm 65. Whiskey still burns going down. Isn't there supposed to be a tolerance buildup with the burning? So both these questions are very heavily related, which is why I put them together. To the person who says that shouldn't they have a tolerance buildup? To an extent, yes. And that tolerance can absolutely help you to get better at tasting whiskey. But just drinking whiskey, a lot of the times, for, for some people, is not going to give you the, enough tolerance that whiskey tastes good. What do I mean by that? I mean, if your palate, first of all, some people just genetically have an easier time tasting the whiskey and an easier time not noticing the alcohol. So that could be something that puts you behind right away. There could also be things within your life that put you behind. You could be eating incredibly spicy food. We just did an episode on how to prepare your palate for a whiskey tasting. If you are not really taking care of your palate, you're not really focusing on refining it for specific flavors, then you're not going to get as much flavor from it. And what people don't realize is, Whiskey is not just I'm trying to avoid the burn so that I can taste the flavors. It's also it's part of that, but it's also I'm trying to taste the flavors so that I don't notice the burn. So if you're making it harder for yourself to taste those flavors, I personally think ice makes it harder to taste flavors, which is why I don't typically like mine on ice. Sometimes I do. I don't always. If you're making it harder to taste those flavors with something like ice or something like a diet that is very rich, very punchy, very spicy, salty, strong flavors, if you're doing those things, it's going to be harder for you to get past that burn because you're not tasting as much flavor, so you're noticing more of that alcohol burn. That's one thing. Um, The other thing would just be focusing on the flavors. I love to really focus on the nose because what it's a lot easier to smell things in whiskey. It's, it's a lot easier for whiskey to smell good. My wife likes the smell of a lot of whiskeys that she does not like the taste of or I can't even get her to taste. So focus on that nose. Look for those flavors in the palate. Those are my general tips for if you're still having trouble and you've been trying to drink whiskey for a while. But you're already in a better position because you're at least used to the action of drinking it, which some people... That's such a shock to the palate that they that it takes a while for them to get acclimated to that. So you're at least a step ahead. Now, in general, developing your palate, like I said, that uh, that 
tip about focusing on the nose. I have a video coming out about that one tonight, I think, as of the recording of this, so it's already posted. Uh, Focusing on the nose, really paying attention to the flavors that you're tasting will help you to not notice the alcohol burn. Refining your palate a little bit, if you're willing to, it's not a necessity, but it will help. Eating, you know, slightly blander foods, avoiding some of those spicy foods, at least the day of a tasting, will really help you to taste more flavor and therefore notice less alcohol burn. Of course, just trying it, trying more whiskey, trying whiskeys regularly, making sure you're not just always trying the same type of whiskey because everybody has their preferences, which can be wildly different. So trying different types of whiskey regularly can help. Then there's other techniques that you can really use to get your feet wet. You can try by mixing with something and mixing less and less of that mixer along with your whiskey, like 7-Up. Maybe you do three shots of 7-Up, one shot of whiskey, and you slowly cut back the amount of 7-Up. That can really help you to just notice the flavors of the whiskey and notice less of the alcohol burn because the flavors of the 7-Up are carrying some of the weight, avoiding the alcohol burn. That can help. Something like an Old Fashioned or a Manhattan or a Whiskey Sour, you know, different cocktails of different strengths with more or less whiskey in them can help you to slowly get acclimated to that taste. And I have a lot of episodes about a lot of different tips, so I won't put them all here, but those are just a few ways that I think you can really start to get your feet wet with whiskey. Then you can move into comparing whiskey side by side. That's a really good one to help you start to learn the different flavors that whiskey can have. Doing that blind, using flavor notes, charts, all of those things. And I actually break down a lot of those ideas as well as some quick tips in my uh, crash course that I posted to Patreon. If I haven't posted it yet, it's about to be because it's done. Um, so I have a, a crash course on my Patreon page for that reason. It goes over what is whiskey, the types of whiskey, the different ways you can drink whiskey, and then lastly, how to get into drinking whiskey. And at the very end, I threw in just some random tips that I think can really help with the burn and with things like that. So um, that's a long-winded way of saying that there's a lot of ways to go about it, but I think a lot of the ones that I just said are the biggest ones. So if you try one of those, hopefully it can help find something that works for you and don't blow your money on super expensive whiskey for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. All right, that is it for the long-form questions, which means I am going to taste this Infinity Bottle one more time, and then we are going to blaze through the lightning round. I'll be honest, if you put this in front of me, I would totally be like, what type of scotch is this? Because I would think it was a scotch based on the nose and the palate, but I'd be blown away by how unique it is, and that's because it's got all these other whiskeys in it, obviously. But it's got a little bit of a peatiness, not overwhelming, it's got like a nice kind of a dark fruit aspect to it. It reminds me, it has Borrowed Page Volume 2 in it, and it reminds me a little bit of Borrowed Page Volume 2. Got a little bit of that aspect going on. It's got a sweetness. It definitely has more harshness than I would like. That's something that with home blending can happen pretty easily. Your whiskey can just come out harsher than you would have liked it. A little bit of harshness to it, a little bit of a barrel spice, some black pepper at the end. Overall, though, a good drink. Like this tastes like, I like it. Like I enjoy it. I might drink this a couple more times in the near future to uh, get the level of the bottle down a little bit. As you can see, it's well, it's right here right now. I'm indicating for those who are watching the video, but uh, it's pretty high. If we go through a few more review episodes, like this thing's going to be full. So might have to drink it again here soon. Let's get to the lightning round of questions. This is where I'm going to blast through as many as I can in as short amount of time as I can. And thank you guys all once again for asking these questions. Um, let's just get to it. Let's just get right into it. Starting at the very beginning. 
is Bowman Brothers very similar to Blanton's? I've had a lot of people request me to try Bowman Brothers, and so for that reason, I actually bought it, and I have it in the Better Than Blanton's running. I haven't tried it yet, which I'm not trying it until I do a Better Than Blanton's because I want to not know what it is that I'm tasting. I have a few over there. I'm looking at my stockpile here that I don't really know what they taste like. There's a few in the pile I don't really know what they taste like. And uh, for that reason, I don't want to try the Bowman Brothers because I want to be surprised by it and see if it actually does a really good job. So keep an eye out for that as a better than Blanton's tasting. The next person asks, rye or wheat mash for your bourbon? I love both depending on the situation. Rye is going to give you a little bit more spiciness. Wheat is typically going to give you a little bit more sweetness. But I love both. It depends on my mood usually. What finishing barrel do I prefer? Sherry, port, rum cask. I forget how to pronounce this. I think it's Sautern or Sautern or other. Uh, I like all different kinds of finishes. And somebody else asked me about finishes as well, I believe. Uh, pretty much all finishes have impressed me at some point that I've tried. Any any finish that I've had, I've, I can see why it impacts the whiskey. I enjoy seeing that interaction with the spirit. So I can't say there's any that I really don't like. I can say I had an Amaro cask finish. I posted a video about it a long time ago. Uh, Barrel Craft Spirits sent it to me. It was a private release, I believe. And it was a specific type of Amaro cask. But the bur- I think it was a bourbon that was finished in this Amaro cask. I thought that was super unique. That That came across to me as like kind of a soda that was like the first time that i tasted something and thought it reminded me of like a root beer or a sassafras which i know i've i've said more often now but that was the first one that was so obvious that i noticed it and it was so it was the first one nowadays i kind of think that sometimes but i probably wouldn't be thinking that if it weren't for that first one so that was an amaro cask finish i thought that was very unique the next person asks what's my favorite scotch region i don't really have a favorite I'm excited to get more into Campbelltown since I haven't really. And I tried those couple of samples from the Whiskey Influencer, uh, which were from Campbelltown, and I enjoyed those. Um, So I think that's at least the one I'm the most excited to try more from. But all the regions have their merits, and I really can't pin one against the other, especially because a lot of them are apples to oranges. But they all are very good in, in different ways. The next question is, if I choose three bottles for life to have a free, endless supply... But I can't drink any or I can't drink other whiskey ever again. It's got to be these three bottles and I get an endless supply. What would I pick? Ooh, I have no idea. Um, I'd probably pick like Pappy Van Winkle 23. I know that's a basic answer, but I would pick it partially because if I have an infinite amount, I could like almost sell tastings of it. And then I could also tell like I could know what it tastes like and I could tell people whether or not they should buy it. So I think that's helpful. Um, whiskeys that I've actually had that I would have on that list. I'm just totally, this is a lightning round question. So I'm just looking at my shelf and I'm picking two that jump out at me. Love Weller Foolproof and I love Barrel Seagrass, which tastes totally different from Weller Foolproof. So those are the two that I'm going with for this fake hypothetical because I'm pressed for time. So (laughs) that's your answer. The next question is favorite unexpected pairing of food and whiskey unexpected pairing of food and whiskey. Let me take a sip and think about that. Okay. I don't know if this is unexpected, but probably my favorite pairing is to have like a nice spicy-ish full-bodied bourbon around like the holidays because it's usually a little bit cold outside and it just goes really well 
with a lot of the things. You're, you're eating a lot. Your palate's getting kind of fried. So something kind of bold, a, a bolder bourbon goes better with that than something mellow because it's just going to get steamrolled by all the other stuff that you're eating. So that's a pairing that I really enjoy. Not any specific bourbon, but just something full-bodied because it it goes well with those holiday flavors. And I can I almost start to attribute it with that sometimes. So that that's your answer. There hasn't been a specific pairing that's just blown my mind, though, of any specific whiskey-specific food. What is my favorite whiskey purchase of 2023? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. All right, think quickly. Uh, I'm thinking on my feet here. I haven't purchased a lot in 2023. Like, there hasn't been a lot. Oh, okay. Uh, this is very recent, so I can't say if it's my favorite of the entire year because I can't remember what all I bought this year. But I did just buy uh, Penelope Toasted, and it was specifically the barrel pick of that one dude, Ryan, and a TikTok creator collab. It was a bunch of different TikTok creators. Um, I don't know if that's my favorite of the entire year, but it was recent, and I very much enjoyed it, so it's coming to mind right now. So that's the answer that you get, which is why I am partnering with that one dude, Ryan, for my next barrel pick. It's not why. I was going to partner with him anyways, but I bought that, and I was like... I made a good decision because this is a fantastic pick. Next question. What does cigar blend mean for a whiskey? What's, what's a cigar blend? A cigar blend is kind of a marketing term. Um, is there any merit to it? Maybe. But the idea is literally this whiskey goes well with cigars, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, comes from Cognac used to do cigar blends or like it's been around for a while. And so then uh, I think Joseph Magnus was probably the first one to do a cigar blend. This is all off the top of my head. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but it basically means that this whiskey was blended to taste good with cigars. It's meant to be a good pairing to cigars. Different cigars are going to give you different experiences. So it's a little bit of a marketing term. But I like the idea of it and I get what they're going for. The next question, do you like gin? That's an easy one. No, I want to though. And I'm open to trying more gin, which I probably will in the future. And it'll probably be either behind a camera or a microphone. So I, I most likely will be trying more gin. Uh, but as of right now, I don't like it. Uh, the next question said, this person says they got devil's juice from McLaughlin distillery. Uh, that is behind me. I always lean the wrong way. My camera's backwards when I look. So it's right here. That had to be terrible to watch me for those watching the video watching me figure out how to point there because my camera's backwards it's right there um and that is from mclaughlin distillery right outside of pittsburgh pennsylvania i went there and i loved it and i recommended it online which is probably why this person asks so they said they just got that have i made it into any cocktails or any ideas for cocktails using it i have not but I have a sneaky suspicion it would make an excellent old-fashioned, especially if you don't have a cocktail smoker because it has such a smoky, strange profile to it. So I'd recommend giving that a try. Use a type of bitters that's not like overly sweet. Like I have peach bitters. That probably wouldn't go well with that specific whiskey. It does go well with other ones. Um, but try to keep that in mind. Come up with a bitters, like maybe like a chocolate bitters or just your plain Angostura bitters might be good. Um, that would be what I would try first, but I haven't tried anything specifically, so I can't give you any recommendations. This next person says, from another young whiskey drinker, thank you for everything. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate the positivity. I always appreciate when people give me like 
positive things through these uh, questions. So thank you. If I am not able to get to all of them in the future, I apologize, but I do very much appreciate it because it reminds me that there are people out there who like what I'm doing and not just trolls who hate me. So thank you guys. The next question is this person. Well, actually it's a statement first. They say, I recently hit a bottle of old rip 10 year in a whiskey drawing. Is it worth the hype? Keep or sell? This is like the one Van Winkle that I'm actually qualified to answer this on. And I don't even know if I would say qualified because I've only had it once. But I have had it. I really liked it. I personally would keep it because I don't think Old Rip is worth too much on the secondary market. Also, I hate the secondary market. And I, I don't like that things are resold. I wouldn't blame you to sell it for selling it to like a friend or something. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but I don't think it's worth too much. And for me, just to have something that cool and exotic on my shelf would be worth it. And of course, I'm not going to leave it on my shelf forever. I'm going to drink it. But to share something that cool and exotic with friends or family would be really special in my personal opinion. So I would open it, but I don't blame you if you want to sell it, especially if you don't think you can appreciate it. Maybe save it if your palate's not super developed yet and try to develop your palate a little bit more and then drink it. But eventually, personally, this is just me, I would drink it. The next person asks, have I tried New Riff Bourbon and what are my thoughts? Yes, I have tried it, I think a couple times. I remember enjoying it. I distinctly remember that I liked it. I haven't done an in-depth review of it yet, but I likely will soon because I know a lot of people like it um, and I do want to try it again. So most likely you'll see that one coming down the pipeline. The next question is Compass Box. Is it worth it? So I tried Compass Box on my Patreon, I believe. Yeah, I didn't try that on whiskey noobs were on uh, social media, but I tried it on my Patreon. It was one of the samples that uh, the whiskey influencer sent me, uh, Tim. I had Compass Box No Name, I think number two or number three. I want to say number two, and I really enjoyed it. I actually don't know how much that costs, so I'm just telling you that I liked it, but I did really like it. I was like, this tastes wildly different. I really enjoy it. That full review is on Patreon with very little editing because it's Patreon, so I show pretty much the whole review. I don't have to worry about the social media algorithm or any of that. The next question, any recipes or whiskeys that I recommend for the cookbook this person is writing? I don't have any recipes. And I actually have been approached about that before from somebody writing a cookbook that like emailed me, I believe, unless it was you, maybe it was you. And I apologize, but I, I don't know whiskey recipes. I am not a very good cook. I can hold my own with cooking like a ribeye. I'm not a very good cook. I'm definitely not an in-depth cook using spirits or wine in my cooking. Sorry about that, but I can recommend that you drink a nice bourbon while you cook and enjoy that bourbon and enjoy that cooking. Next question. What has been the worst interaction that I've had with listeners? I have never had a bad in-person interaction with listeners. Uh, everybody who's recognized me in public has been awesome. So thank you so much to everybody who has said something to me in public. You've been great. Everybody's been super nice uh, and I appreciate that. Online interactions, I don't think they come from listeners usually. I think a lot of times the worst interactions come from the people who see a video they don't like or see a video and then listen to an episode that they disagree with because I give opinions on here, but I usually label them as such. Um, so the worst one I can think of is I got a fairly mean review and I think I know the source of the review. I think it was because of a specific video that I had posted, not on the podcast, but I had posted on social media um, on the whiskey noob social media. 
and it was a rather controversial take, uh, and I think that that person very much did not like it, and so they decided to trash me in a bad review. That's probably the worst interaction I've had. I've had trolls and stuff, but that doesn't really get under my skin. Um, The review, I wouldn't say it got under my skin as much as I was annoyed by the fact that it's a review, and that is something, you know, that's what is a podcast metric. So it's not like a comment where I can just ignore it and it doesn't really affect my performance. In fact, bad comments on videos help videos because you're getting more comments. This is a review, so it actually hurts the performance of the show. So that's probably the worst interaction that I've had. So I will request that if you're listening and you like the show, you do go give it a review, preferably a five-star rating or review on iTunes or on Spotify. Those are super-duper helpful. So it's free, and if you can just take a second to do it, I would greatly appreciate that. That offsets those trolls who give the bad reviews. But that's probably the worst interaction that I've had. And thank you so much to everybody who has rated or reviewed the show. It does not go unseen. I'm very grateful for it. The next question is, when are we going to see Bryce and the other, I'm assuming they mean other noobs back. This says other boobs back, but I think they want to know when the other guest noobs are going to be back. Uh, I know it's been a long time since I've had a guest noob on the show and it's definitely not out of the question. Um, It's likely that I'll have those guys on again. Uh, Typically I have either Bryce or Justin or Zach on for those who haven't been around long enough to know that. Uh, So it's highly likely that, that they'll be back on the schedule has been rather jammed lately and not just jammed doing interviews with people who have, have reserved spots. So like I can't replace them with a guest noob, but also then when I'm not doing an interview, the week is jammed. So I try to crank through an episode like this. This is a Q and a, but I try to crank through episodes where I can provide that quality while not working around somebody else's schedule. But I, I see that you're asking for that. If more of you guys want to see more of the guest noobs, don't hesitate to let me know, and I'm going to make an effort to get those guys back on the show. Thank you for that question, though, and I'm sure uh, Bryce, Justin, and Zach, thank you for that question as well. The next question is, what are my favorite rye whiskeys? Uh, my favorite finished rye is Barrel Seagrass right now. That's that's pretty much out of the question, my favorite. Um, I've tried a lot that I really enjoy. So I really liked Rocket Top from Redwood Empire because I thought it was very unique and I thought it played to the versatility of rye very well. Um, I just recently tried Hard Truth Distilling and they do an excellent job. I was very impressed by uh, the the Hard Truth that I tried. Um, Looking around me, Still Austin has a nice, very spicy profile. Um, I think it's Wheel Horse. Yes, Wheel Horse has a very nice, slightly less spicy profile to it. So I, I like a lot of them. I haven't really established a specific type of rye or specific flavor profile that I like more than the others. The next person asks, do you think allocated bottles are overhyped? I just can't justify spending that much. I agree. I think allocated bottles are overhyped. I only buy them because I'm in Ohio, and so I get them very close to MSRP. But the secondary market is usually, usually not worth supporting. It's usually not worth paying the the very high pricing, either from the secondary market or from a retailer that's trying to match that secondary pricing. The next question, very similar, talking about allocations. How do I feel about allocation drops where people drop chairs to hold their spots? Listen, I know that's a super heated debate. I have seen both sides of that debate. I think if you're not leaving the parking lot, it's not that big of a deal. Personally, because I'm allergic to cold and I live in Ohio. So I can get rashes if I wait in line too long, which actually happened a little bit on on Black Friday. I waited in line and started to get a rash. But you know, boohoo, woe is me, world's smallest violin. My point being, if they're not leaving the parking lot, I don't see a big deal with it. But 
it's really hard to enforce that people aren't leaving the parking lot. So I totally get the frustrations of it. I totally get the fact that it does make it easier to wait in line longer. You got people who put them there at 1 a.m. and then sleep in their car. It's a more nuanced topic than I can say, oh, I'm for it or against it. It's a very, I get the heated debate on both sides of it. Personally, I, I can't really pick a side, but I would say if I were to go against the chair debate, I would say that uh, I would be against chairs for the purpose that it would make lines shorter probably. And, you know, bundle up, man up is, I guess, the way that I would look at it from that side. And I just realized I didn't explain it for those who don't know. At allocated drops, a lot of the times you can put a chair in line and that counts as your spot. And then you can go sit in your car and then you can come back out when the store opens, if you go to the store before it opens. Um, And there's a heated debate about whether that's okay or not. And I don't intend to get on either side of that debate because personally, I don't experience it or interact with it enough that I think I have a very good opinion on it. The next question, regardless of style of whiskey and flavor, which whiskey has had the best mouthfeel? Specifically the best mouthfeel, I'm honestly not sure. I think scotches usually tend to have a very good mouthfeel for me. Uh, So that's, in general, scotch tends to have a good mouthfeel for me. The next question is, what is a good bourbon for scotch drinkers? I usually think about good scotches for bourbon drinkers, but a good bourbon for scotch drinkers is an interesting question. I'm going to look around. I would maybe start with something finished in a port wine cask um, because you're used to that finishing not always port wine, a lot of times sherry with scotch, but it gives you a similar, at least somewhat similar kind of experience. This is coming off the cuff here. So maybe uh, Angel's Envy would be a good good substitute. Not a substitute, but a good thing for somebody to try. The next question, why haven't I bought a new bottle of Pipe Dream? Mine has been empty for a while, this person says. They say that mine, Chris's, bottle has been empty for a while. Funny that you ask. I actually just got a brand new bottle of Pipe Dream. That is Pipe Dream by Redwood Empire. I love Redwood Empire's Pipe Dream in its price range. I think it's very good. So that is uh, a whiskey that I'll, I'll tend to probably keep on my shelf. But as that person noticed, it was empty for a while. Uh, usually because I'm, I'm too busy reviewing whiskeys to buy stuff that I actually want. So that's why. The next question, do I plan to get into the world of cognac? Similar to gin, I've tried it, not been overly impressed, but probably will try it more in the future, most likely. And the last question, let's end on a fun one. Hash browns or home fries? Hash browns, if they're made, you know, if they're like real hash browns where they grate them, they shred it, and it's like a a pancake that's not really well held together, you know, not those frozen ones you get from McDonald's. Although those are delicious. McDonald's has excellent hash browns, but I love real like shredded and cooked hash browns. Fantastic. That's all that we've got for the questions for today. Last thoughts on this uh, infinity bottle, because I did just take a sip of it in between cuts there. I really enjoy it. I think it's got like a light fruit. It's got like a spiciness. It's got a little bit of like maybe what I would call black pepper on the back end of it. It's got a what I would say is balance if a distiller sent this to me. You've got some sweetness. You've got some spiciness. It's got a little bit of both. So I'm very much enjoying this Infinity Bottle, which has every whiskey that I've ever done a full review of on Whiskey Noobs. For a long time, those were every other episode. Now it's still pretty much every other episode, uh, but you can see... You can go through the old show list and and see what it is. Nowadays, I put anything that's being reviewed as featuring and then the whiskey name. So just so you guys are aware. At any rate, I enjoyed the Infinity Bottle. I enjoyed your guys' questions even more. So thank you so much to everybody who submits a question. Seriously, 
Don't stop submitting them. I love answering your guys' questions. I'm sorry if I don't get to yours. If you submit it again, maybe I'll get to it next month. Uh, I do save these up throughout the entire month. I don't just take one week's worth. Uh, So I pick and choose different ones, save them up, and put them on the show. Thank you if you've submitted them. Once again, you can do that through my Instagram page at whiskey underscore noobs through my Instagram story on Wednesday. I post a sticker. You can submit them. If you want to jump to the front of the line, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash whiskey noobs. That is all we've got for this Q&A episode of Whiskey Noobs. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted a question and thank you to you for listening. I will leave you guys with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you need more Whiskey Noobs content in your life, make sure you check out our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review. It only takes a couple of minutes, and they're way more helpful than people realize. If you want to do tastings alongside the show, make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list. You'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time you can also find more whiskey noobs content on instagram at whiskey underscore noobs and on tiktok at whiskey noobs podcast once again thank you guys for listening the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol